Hey property investor, thank you so much for coming and joining me on the NC Real Estate Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure having you here. You might have noticed I am slightly later than usual this week and it is purely because I've had so much going on with moving in stuff from into the new flat in New York and trying to get everything set up in the flat in London so that it looks beautiful for viewings and quite frankly I've been so overwhelmed with doing that and so exhausted that I didn't really have the words to put together a podcast. But what's been really nice this week is that I've had so many people chatting to me over on the Facebook group, Property Investment Mastery. If you're not over there yet, then please come and join me, Property Investment Mastery Facebook group. It's awesome. It's a place to have property conversations. Also, if you want to come and see more of what I'm doing, head on over to www.com ncrealestate.co.uk. NC Real Estate is a members club for property investors and landlords. Currently, it's waiting list only. The doors are currently closed, but we will be opening them shortly. So you can join, come and join the goodness. Learn how to be that property investor who completely builds a property portfolio that aligns with their goals. So on today's podcast, I've got a couple of things that I want to talk to you about. The first one is that, of course, we're coming up on the budget. That's going to be happening on the 29th of October. So we're about a week away. And there is definitely some things that we know are going to happen and there's speculation about other things. And I think we have to be really aware of what's going on. We definitely know about the increase of stamp duty for overseas buyers at around about 3%. That's probably going to come in. In fact, we know it is. Theresa May announced that on Twitter. So any overseas buyers are going to have to pay an extra 3% on the property that they buy as stamp duty. After I posted that in the Facebook group, actually, I had a couple of overseas buyers come back to me and say, do you know what, Natasha, if the deal is good enough in the UK, we'd buy it regardless of whether there's an additional 3% stamp duty. They are not investing. Overseas investors are not investing for low yields. They are investing because the deal stacks up so incredibly well. So that 3% wouldn't make too much of a difference to a deal. So they didn't really worry about that. And to be fair, as a UK citizen, if we're investing elsewhere around the world, we will probably have to be paying similar uh, interest hikes or similar tax hikes. So it's not everywhere, but there are those sort of things involved. So it's not unusual for that to happen. But from the government's point of view, they believe that they can raise more money, which they are going to use to tackle homelessness with. I don't quite know how the two link up, but okay, if that's what they're going to do, fair enough. There could also be the introduction on scrapping capital gains tax for landlords that sell their properties to long-term renters. In principle, this is a benefit to landlords who would then get the rental income for the first three years and then be able to sell without paying agency fees. And it's kind of a method of helping the housing crisis. Crisis, but if the landlord won't, if the government won't allow landlords to sell at market market value, rather they have to share the profit with the tenant. There is going to be a lot of resistance, and that's the way that it's looking like this is going to go. The government seems to think that if there is a saving for landlord, that needs to be passed on to the tenant too, so that they can buy and they can make the discount. I'm not entirely sure about this. I think I touched on it in last week's podcast as well. I think that the landlord, the government need to come up with more efficient 
helping schemes that are actually going to go a long way to supporting the housing market. And this just doesn't seem to be it. Putting together these really crazy complicated schemes isn't going to be the thing that solves the housing crisis. Education, giving people a decent standing of a standard of living, and if the government wants to build properties that they can sell on to first-time buyers for cheap, so be it, but they're going to have to do that. You cannot pass that on to people who have bought at market value. Investors do buy at market value, that's what they do, and then start expecting them to have to pay discounts or have to lose money on their transactions to help first-time buyers. I don't think that's going to work very well, so they're going to have to make this as straightforward as possible. However, in principle, yes, if a landlord has got a long-term renter and that renter is interested in buying the property and they agree a price that both parties are happy with, fabulous, then that is a great scheme. But we are yet to see how that's going to unravel. Well, scrapping section 24, so that's the uh, changes to uh, mortgage interest rate relief on deductions from your profits, won't be on the budget. The government will be looking at the precedent set by Ireland as they're about to do this and they found that the extra tax on landlords will take too many rental properties out of the market, so it wasn't a good thing. However, I think one of the scariest things for landlords is the possibility of income tax rise. Already, rental income can push you easily into the 40% bracket, and if that goes up, plus the restrictions on finance relief, landlords' profits will decline, in which case selling their long-term tenant, selling to their long-term tenants may be a nice relief. So I haven't seen anywhere where that is completely definite. I've seen rumours of it, and I, again, I don't know how that's going to work, but any interest any increase in tax isn't a particularly good thing and it's going to see more landlords either disposing of their properties that they just don't want and that's probably the worst in their property portfolio and they're going to be moving to buying things in a limited company so that they pay corporation tax instead. I think we're going to see huge changes if that comes in but of course it's not going to just affect landlords, it's going to affect everybody and I think there's going to be uproar if the uh, tax rates rise so we will see what happens there. Personally for me I think lowering the VAT threshold is the scariest thing. 43k is the predicted amount. It isn't a lot so that would mean having to change my business plan and I would have to have a look at that and how that impacts me and impacts my clients. Um, that is the one thing that I'm keeping an eye on and I will keep you updated with how that changes as well and how that impacts me. What I do know is that every time a budget comes around, it leaves landlords quaking in their boots because they think, what next? What is coming next? And it seems that landlords are the easiest target for tax hikes and changes to those sort of things. And the one thing that I know for sure is that every single time it gets more complicated. We have to think about far more things as landlords and that can be really stressful. It really can and it can send the buy-to-let market into chaos and one thing I do know is that there are definitely not enough properties on the market even to 
accommodate for the demand from tenants let alone the demand from people wanting to buy property and so if you're getting if you're getting to a stage where landlords are thinking you know what I don't want to deal with this anymore I am disposing of my assets you're going to find that there's a lot of uncertainty in the market especially as we move into this crazy thing we're calling Brexit where Come on, I don't even know what's going on. I can't even comment about it because quite frankly, Theresa May, what are you doing? Nobody goes into these things and thinks, oh yeah, let's just, you know, get our way out of this contract that we've been in for so many years and we pay so much and we don't even have a negotiation team. So I think the chaos with changes to all of the tax, you know, a lot of stuff being put on landlords' heads, then the craziness around our government not being able to make a decision about what they want to do with Brexit, keep going to Europe and not getting any um, responses, as well as that, of course, the minute we leave the EU, there's going to be um, changes in everything really i think changes in uh income ex import export tax that's going to have a real big knock-on effect to uh changes in prices for goods which is going to cause on a knock-on effect for um the affordability of living which means are we going to have as many people um shopping or eating in restaurants we don't know we don't know what's going on and i think all of this chaos and craziness is going to amount to something and what that's going to be I don't quite know I can't see it I feel like it's almost like a bubble in its own right very slowly this bubble keeps rising of just uncertainty and it's not just coming from Brexit it is coming from everywhere and the more that people don't understand they don't have the knowledge they're not able to kind of even really think about what's going on in a, in a usual way, they think to themselves, oh my gosh, and that worry, that panic, that anxiety is what starts causing markets to go crazy. And I think this is something that we ne really need to be watching for. So I am waiting in anticipation for what happens on October the 29th. It doesn't look like it's going to be an easy ride. It's not as difficult as it has been. There are some changes that we probably can take advantage of, but quite frankly, we need to have our eyes wide open and be prepared to do the research necessary to make sure that we come out of this well, regardless of what happens with the new budget. Okay, so that's the budget. And I want to move on to a topic that is quite similar, actually. And I have been speaking to landlords and property investors in my property investment mastery group because I think we always hear about what first-time buyers want and what their biggest problems are. We hear about renters and the fact that they think every single landlord is a rogue landlord. We hear about all of that, but we never actually speak to property investors to find out actually, do you know what? What are your fears and worries? What are you really worried about? And I ask my group because I was very interested in this. I think when you are looking at a specific area of the economy, a specific really big area of what we need to have to live, um, you have to look at both sides of the story. You can't just look at the people who shout the loudest. At the moment, I feel that, okay, there are some landlords who really do campaign for things. But that's a real small kind of group of landlords and property investors in the UK. A lot of them get on with it. 
And I know there are some people who stick their to keep their heads low they think actually do you know what if I don't raise my head above the parapet I don't have to do any of the changes I don't have to participate in this I will just carry on as I've been going on for the last 10 20 30 40 50 years however long you've been a property investor for my group over in property investment mastery it seems to be the middle group they are the people who are doing their due diligence they completely understand the need to keep up with legislation to be really good landlords to look after their tenants and do you know what they keep going the land the government makes changes and they go oh not again, but they keep going. And so what I wanted to do was ask them about their fears and worries. And here is a snapshot of uh, exactly what they've said. So whilst I'm not naming any names, I think it's really interesting that we we look into this. So the first one was um, mortgage valuations after refurb and having to pay for valuations at the start if you don't, if you go down the bridge to let star routes. Um, Will they put a decent increase or not with a lot of sold houses in the area needing a refurb? So that's one property investor's worry. They are currently doing uh, buying properties, doing them up and then remortgaging to take the equity out and carry on. What they are experiencing is the fact that um, this was quite a good system for them. But actually now bridging lenders are really making them worried they're making them nervous because they're not getting those valuations and they've bought the property they've done the development now they're thinking oh my gosh I actually can't get out of that and that's a huge problem because if they cannot pay back the banks um then these sort of property investors will have to declare themselves bankrupt or they get CCJs against their name it can make it more difficult for them to borrow in which case that property portfolio that they hold will probably have to go back to the banks and that's when it gets sold off cheap it might not be the looked after as a good piece of housing stock and it causes chaos the problem here is you want good landlords and this was definitely from a good landlord and property investor who wanted to do their due diligence but now that worry is making them think do I want to do this anymore potentially not second response I had was interest rates tenants damage to the property the list goes on and on Again, a huge fear for a landlord is when they get the, te- the property back at the end of a tenancy, they go in to find the tenant has destroyed the place. And more often than not, there's no comeuppance on the tenant. The tenant can just walk out, you know, onto the next property. Uh, the landlord doesn't have to give a good review. Of course they don't. But the landlord then has to pick up the damage. I've seen some landlords with £30,000 worth of damage from something that the tenants cause they just wreck the place and that's scary for a landlord because maybe their property insurance won't cover the whole amount of it they're never going to be able to get that much back from the tenant because they won't have collected as high a deposit and that's chaos and for a lot of landlords and property investors they will just suck it up have to count it as a loss and move on and that's terrifying and this is why a lot of people wouldn't be property investors because they don't want to have to deal with that huge amount of loss it's crazy it really is crazy and I, my heart goes out to them because you do not want someone going into your property and not even treating it with any respect and I can't understand it I can't understand the type of person who would go into a home and trash it but there definitely are tenants that do that and that is terrifying. The next comment I got was the government's next attack. Seems another one is on the way against the private rental sector. 
that is in response to the budget that's coming. And as I've just said, we are waiting with our eyes wide open to see what's going to happen next. I then got a comment saying, I've had lots of businesses and the government always comes down on them in the end and ruins them with regulation. And the way property is going up where I live, I can only think there is they're going to come up with a cunning plan to get their tax. Again, constant tax hikes against landlords and property investors are scary because if it starts really eating into their profits and there is nothing left at the end of the year, which on some properties is happening, there is no point in having that property anymore. But then who do you sell it to? Who's going to want that property with a tenant in it? No, no one who's moving from a home, you'd have to sell it to another property investor. But another property investor is not going to pick it up if it doesn't make a profit. And that's one of the biggest problems that property investors are facing and the private rental sector is facing. This is what is taking rental properties out of the markets. Landlords will wait until the end of a the tenancy. They will say, actually, I'm ending this tenancy. I'm not having any more uh, long-term renters in here. They'll get vacant possession and they'll sell it. That is one less rental property on the market. Government, definitely. All my properties are mortgaged. I can't make a profit. Just recovered from tenant damage, agents keeping rent and trying, he's trying to get back on top, but now interest rates and no tax relief is causing you, him to sell up over the coming years. Again, a, set, a disposal strategy. That is taking five to six properties out of the rental market and you might be thinking yes that means that first-time buyers can get hold of that property <sighs> probably not a first-time buyer property usually these properties that they're renting out are three or four bedrooms um, and they are kind of the middle range of the market they definitely wouldn't be the cheapest in the market these are properties that which can command a higher yield um, and that probably wouldn't be suited for a first-time buyer. So you've got to start looking at where is what does these what do these properties fulfill? And if it's not first-time buyers, then this is probably families. But would a family want to take over a rental property and wait for the tenant to move out? Probably not. So we're finding here that this could even slow down the property market. Um, another comment was eviction process and the system in place to trip one up. Four months, three tenants, no rent. It's harder than you think to get them out. Again, most of the time when you're trying to evict a tenant using the Section 21 notice, really, there's a lot of help out there for tenants. As long as keep, tenants keep paying on the drip, they're not going to be if evicted because they're showing signs of willing um, but then it's a lengthy process you serve two months notice if the tenants don't leave after the two months notice then you have to proceed to court and court hearings can take a long time to get seen and that can be a huge lengthy process in itself all the while the landlord property investor won't know what's going on in their property. They might try and get in, just have a look, just to inspect, see if they can prevent any damage, but there is nothing stopping that tenant from trashing the property. And that is stressful because then they're having to think, oh my gosh, I am paying for a mortgage that I currently can't afford because I'm not getting any rent in. And then on top of that, I have to save to make sure that I can afford to put this property back together. And that's expensive. And that leaves property investors with sleepless 
nights. I know it. I speak to property investors all the time. It's a huge, huge worry. Uh, Another one of uh, my members said, I've learned a new technique. Just pray and give all your problems to God. He'll never let you down and then sleep well. (laughs) And that was from an investor who understands that they need to be on the ball the whole time. And it's kind of a what will be, will be scenario. Um, And then finally, I had an investor saying, not tossing and turning, just sleeping and apparently snoring. But what you can see from the feedback that I've had there from the fears and worries of property investors is the fact that actually it can be really difficult. I know a lot of people think that property investors go home at night rubbing their hands together because they've got cash in their pockets. And yes, that does happen. But there's also things that have to be taken into account because buy to let is a business. It really is. And for every single business, there needs to be some rewards and the rewards have to be the profit. But when your client doesn't pay on time or doesn't look after the property and you're also being taxed from the government and there is nothing you can do to change that, you start getting resentful and you start feeling sad because everything is a worry. Everything that comes at you is kind of, well, what am I fielding next? What do I have to battle? Why am I battling this? And for a lot of people, that can be completely demoralizing. And what you will see is that some people do not want to put up with that anymore. They're happily take the property out of the private rental sector and just sell it, pay back their mortgages and that's enough. And I think the more that this happens and the increase that this happens, we're going to start to see the private rental sector really changing. I want to say that I actually think that local councils need to be looking into this, but when I think about that, actually, councils don't have any money. In this age of austerity, where councils are being cut back, cut back, cut back, there is nobody to oversee this, which is again why things like health and safety legislation get overlooked if tenants are making complaints to environmental health. That can be difficult for the local council to even police. So often things get left and that's the problem. That's where the rise of rogue landlords comes from because tenants are finding that even if they can complain, there is nowhere to go. And what What's the biggest problem? There's no regulation in this sector. Yes, if you have a look um, at the property sector, you've got people like Arla and you have the RICS, but for private landlords, there is no regulation and that is the problem. There is nobody to hold them accountable, but also there's nowhere to go. And that was the reason why I started the Members Club because it is a safe space to go where landlords and property investors can come to be the best that they can be and look after their tenants so that they have safe comfortable homes but I wanted to share this podcast with you today so that you can see the other side of the story it's scary being a landlord there's a lot that you have to go out there sometimes put up with it can also be incredibly fun you meet lovely tenants who look after your properties and you develop these great relationships but as with everything there are two sides to the story and I wanted to air this so that you understand from a landlord's point of view yeah If you listen to this and you think that all landlords are greedy and they're all out for themselves, fine, that's your opinion. But just remember, landlords have to run a business too. If you went to work every day and someone didn't pay you because they were like, well, we haven't been paid by this client, you would be pretty upset. For a landlord, if they go to work and their tenant doesn't pay, they've got no one to fall back on. They have to cover that mortgage somewhere, otherwise 
their properties start getting repossessed and that's a situation you don't want to go down because that is utterly terrifying. So I hope this podcast has woken you up to some of the problems that landlords face and of course we're going into the budget we're going to see what changes happen next but we need to keep this conversation going because I think there's got to be some solution where both landlords and tenants can live in a harmonious relationship they can have that really good strong relationship but there's also a way that if people want to be on the housing ladder they can be and that's not presented itself yet I'm going to continue discussing this until a solution uh, raises itself. Um, Admittedly, I don't have the solution today, but the more that this is talked about, the closer we will come to a solution. So thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. I've been Natasha Collins, and I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.